and welcome to Gone But Not Forgotten, the podcast all about remembering the lives and careers of actors who left us too soon. I'm Audrey Corneau. And I'm Louise Coleman. Today we're going to be talking about Natalie Wood. This will not be released on the anniversary of her death, but close to it. So anyway, instead of Thanksgiving, you should celebrate Natalie Wood Day. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna start that. <laughs> so basically, we're just gonna go through all of the films of hers we've seen, and then also do some superlatives and just answer some questions. And of course, do our fan casting. Did you just have any general thoughts about Natalie as an actor? Yeah, before we did this, before like we started like watching her films, I genuinely, really, honestly thought she was in like five films I was shocked and when I told my family today that I had seen 16 of her films they were like what I didn't even know she was in that many <laughs> I've always known about her maybe through the, the, her death now I'm looking at her as like an actual actress and she's my most watched on Letterboxd hey. not only <laughs> this year of all time that's awesome yeah. she deserves it she's awesome <laughs> I have become a full-on fan. I love her. Oh, good. I'm so glad. <laughs> some of her films we've watched for this are, like, my favorite. I really love them. Yeah. Audrey, what about you? Thoughts on Natalie? I love her. I think she's really talented and really beautiful. And she was such a great person. And I, it makes me sad that people make fun of her, I feel like. I heard a lot of just rude things said about her, but I just hope people will watch some of her movies because even in the bad ones, like she's always really good. And yeah, I'm just excited to talk about her films because I've seen 28. Nice! <laughs> yes! Oh my god. Yeah. She has such a wide variety of films and yes. she's great in any genre. In her first film, she was seven years old and... I don't think you saw this one, did you? No, no. Okay. It's called Tomorrow's Forever. And it's about this woman played by Claudette Colbert and her husband played by Orson Welles. And it's kind of funny. I was just thinking, I've seen like the most random Orson Welles films. No, I'm literally the same. Yeah. Yeah. Which ones have you seen? So I've seen The Stranger... Magnificent Ambersons, which was my first one, my first Orson Welles film. Oh, technically, A Touch of Evil, but I didn't finish it. Uh, I watched oh. it in my film studies class. And then I watched The Third Man, but that was God, so boring. <laughs> <laughs> but then what about you? What about you? I've seen this one, Compulsion, 12 plus 1. Oh, yeah, 12 plus 1. <laughs> Sorry, I thought as well. Yeah. I always forget he's in that. Same. He has one scene. And then The Lady from Shanghai, which I think is actually a popular one. But I haven't seen, like, Citizen Kane. I've just thought of another film he's in that I've seen. Yeah. He's in the Muppet movie. Wait, what? Yeah. As himself? Yeah, yeah. It's the first of all, favourite film. But I, I can't remember what he does, but it's literally just like that. He, like, turns in his chair and it's him. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's funny. awesome. Yeah. And he's I've also in the Transformers that. animated series. What? I don't understand it. I think it must have been like right before he died. He died in 1985. 
Hmm. Yeah, that's weird. I never thought about Transformers like being around that long. Why oh, yeah. is all of the last films of actors like why are they almost always really bad? Why even not so sad? Bad. Yeah, like Natalie's last film. We'll get to that, but it's yeah, it's disappointing. Such a letdown. But I'm anyway, so with this, Kata and Orson's characters are married, but then he has to go off to war, and. She thinks he died in the war, and so she, like, marries this other guy, and they have kids, but it turns out he didn't actually die, and so he comes back, and he brings with him Natalie Wood's character, who is, like, this little Austrian orphan, and she is so adorable, and it's just crazy to see her, like, acting against Orson Welles in her first film, and, like, she's better than him. Oh, my God, crazy. I'm (laughs) Um, not surprised. It's not a great film. I didn't really like it, but she really shines. And you can definitely tell she's going to be a star, like, even from that age. Nice. It's definitely, like, one of those sappy melodramas that I'm just not really a fan of. He comes back and, like, interacts with her and her family a lot, and she never notices it's him. And to me, that's just so unbelievable. Yeah. How would you not know who the... I don't know. It's Orson yeah. Welles. Like. He looks, come on, look at him. Yes. <laughs> oh, I have a question about that then. If she's Austrian, sure. does she do an accent? Oh my yeah. gosh, she's doing an accent yeah. at that age. Yes. It's so and good. I think it's pretty good yeah. for a kid. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Love her. Yeah. And she also has a lot of crying scenes and just like the behind the scenes of like why she really was crying and it was so realistic. It's pretty depressing, but she's good at it. Yeah. I don't know. Double-edged sword. (laughs) And then the next one I have is The Bride Wore Boots. I have nothing to say about it because she has two scenes maybe, but she's really cute. And of course, Barbara Stanley, she plays alongside her. Oh, wicked. Yeah. She Natalie Wood as a baby is so flipping cute. Yes. <laughs> I love her so much. <laughs> she is so precious and she just seems so sincere. With a lot of child actors, they're acting. Yeah. But she just already is so natural. I think it's cool. Yeah. Same. And then we have the ghost and Mrs. Muir. And this was 19... 19- 47 and it's about this woman played by Jean Tierney and her daughter is Natalie and they're being haunted by this ghost in the seaside house played by Rex Harrison yeah (laughs) and basically Jean and the ghost fall in love (laughs) it's really kind of weird if you think about it so weird it's so weird and also it's like it's enemies to lovers because he is so mean to her at the beginning. He's really mean. <laughs> You've seen this one, right? Yeah, I enjoyed it. I liked it. Natalie doesn't really have that many scenes either. No, this one's kind of similar to the Bride War Boots, I feel like. But like, yeah, she did not have a lot of scenes in it. Really cute, though. She's yeah. really young. So she plays Anna. And she is just a daughter role. Like, it's not, it's nothing special. But look, she is a professional at, at this stage. And I can't take my eyes off her when she's so small. Because it's yeah. like... She has a, like, star persona already. Yeah. It's crazy. I wish she interacted with Rex Harrison's character. 
I think they would have been like savage together. They would have been oh, so mean to each other. They would. But then it'd be really nice as well as the film yeah. went on. And, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's a nice film. It's very like 40s, if that makes sense. And like, oh, we love old films. You could tell it was made for that time. Yeah. Not as engaging. Like, I was drawn to my phone a lot of the times, but. It's a sweet film. Yeah, if anything, probably just watch it for Jean Tierney because she's really good. Yes, legend. And I think it's really smart, actually, they cast Natalie as her daughter because they do look really similar. Yes, I just yeah. wish they interacted more. I think they really only had a couple moments. Yeah, the scenes with them two together are so pure and just so realistic. Oh, I love that. Yeah. She just gets on with her on-screen mums so well. Yeah really amazing i think she felt attached to them because her own mother was not yes. really a mother figure to her so she yes. grew really close with her older female co-stars which is cute but also sad at the same uh, time that breaks my heart yeah. that's really sad we're gonna have to cover some pretty heavy stuff i think but, yeah. but i also think the whole plot of like her falling in love with a ghost is just so odd. It's I don't a know. Ghost. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I love the ending. Yeah. It's lovely. And they're together. Yeah. Oh, I think it would have been better if they had just been there for each other. Yeah. Instead of like falling in love. <laughs> <laughs> when she died, then they could build that. All the gothic seashore vibes are pretty cool. Yes, yeah. very like Rebecca in a way. Oh, there's something about the repressed English men by the seaside. <laughs> I'm obsessed with Rex Harrison after that film. Oh my god, I'm like stabbing oh. the podcast. <laughs> I don't know if you should like Rex Harrison. Oh but... no, <laughs> they call him sexy Rexy. <laughs> um, and then we got Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street which was her biggest role to date. She plays the daughter of Maureen O'Hara. Edmund Gwynn plays Santa Claus, and he works at Macy's department store. And nobody thinks he's really Santa, but he might actually be Santa. And Natalie's character is quite doubtful of this. As the film goes on, Like we really see her character and her relationship with her mother and the Santa guy grow. <laughs> so I actually haven't seen this for a year. I don't cool. remember it super well. I didn't really want to rewatch it. Not because I didn't like it. I liked it a lot. I just wasn't really in the mood for it. Okay, fair. I have to say that I actually like hated this film. Oh my God. <laughs> I love Natalie in this film. I think she's brilliant. But this film was so boring. <laughs> Santa has to go to trial to prove he's Santa. <laughs> what was the 40s? Like, right? <laughs> who thought of this? <laughs> it's so true. Yeah. I, like, they were going to commit him and everything. Yeah. Do the parents, they must buy their kids presents because they don't obviously believe in Santa. But then does Santa bring more presents to them? It makes no sense. Yeah, that's true because her mom didn't believe he was yeah. Santa yeah yeah and she didn't believe in Santa as well because she she taught little Susan that yeah 
I kind of like that the audience gets to decide, I feel, like whether or not he is Santa. And I just think that is an interesting look at maybe not even just whether or not Santa is real, but as you get older and you grow up, like you don't really believe yes. in a lot of yeah, things. Yeah. And it's sad that Susan already in, at eight years old is like not believing in Santa. Yeah. She's quite dubious towards him. She's even like, if you're Santa, then give me a house. You know what, sis? I get it. Like, you go for that house. I remember the neighbor guy. He creeped me out at first because he kept, like, wanting to just hang out with Susan. Just the two of them. And I'm like, this is really weird. But I was glad they didn't go too far with that, if I remember correctly. No, yeah, nothing happens. Yeah. Yeah, but I just mean, it's just a little weird. Like, why would a grown man... Like, when I hang out with an eight-year-old. But I don't know. They didn't make it too weird after that first interaction. Make friends your own age, in it. Yeah. (laughs) Just find out, oh, his name's Fred. So I'm, yeah, it's a bit weird. But there's also a great scene when he's telling her about, I can't remember, was it Jack and the Beanstalk, I think? And she's she's, no, mate, that did not happen. (laughs) I just love her. Yes, I love her character in this. I feel once again, like she's really just become the character. And someone said that one of her early roles was very similar to how she was in real life. I'm thinking it was this. Oh, maybe quite like cynical. Yeah, because I mean, she really was a kid in a grown-up's world. So she had to become a grown-up, be very mature at such a young age. Yeah, exactly. Just so sad. Especially when you see how small she is. Yeah. I also think it's weird how many of her co-stars were adults. Like, I don't think she hardly ever had kid co-stars. Whoa, that's true. She's always, like, the only child. Yeah. Also, to a single mother. That's true. Kind of interesting. I think that's cool. Because I feel like, especially back then, the single mother characters looked down upon but then of course like she and fred get married right or do they not no but they're together okay he's got a job she's living her life that's probably why they got her with fred yeah and got her believing in santa claus because look the single mother is so cynical and jaded which i do not obviously agree with at all but i in the 40s that's how they presented her in the movie like at the beginning yeah 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 i loved her daughter but she didn't lie to her told her everything you can take it in chunks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a little much. Did you have any other thoughts on that one? I did not. I, l- okay. I love Susan, though. That's all that I... Yeah, I love Susan. <laughs> I want to just pick her up and take her home. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. I guess I can just briefly touch on Driftwood. Cool. This came out the same year as um, Miracle on 34th Street. Nice. And she plays another orphan child (laughs) typecast yeah who is taken in by this character played by walter brennan and she's like the outsider in this town and everyone's really mean to her there's some like disease that starts going around in the town and it's really weird because it's all about this pandemic in this small town and like they're trying to get everyone to get vaccinated and like it was really trippy. Oh my god. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like 
I don't like disease films anymore. No. It's too close to home. <laughs> but even with nose times, oh my yeah. god. I don't really like the movie. I love her performance. It's just like this really weird movie. And they take a dog to trial. <laughs> First son, now a dog. <laughs> yes. What is happening to these films? I don't know, but it's just Tell me more. the most random. There's this doctor guy who lives with Walter Brennan's character and Natalie is taken in by them. And he has this border collie that at one point attacks this little boy. And then the little boy's mom, I think, basically just takes this dog to trial for attacking her son. Oh, go on the stand. Like, what? Yeah. <laughs> Was he doing like dog acting when he like, like puts his paw over yeah, his eyes? I'm pretty sure he did. <laughs> I need to um, see this. It's just vents happening after one another there wasn't really like this common thread other than like the everyone needs to get a vaccination it must have been like propaganda or something I don't know I saw four movies from 1948 to 1950 it's got a who it's got a hey oh my what no that's not a real film no it's not it's essentially about this guy who wants to buy mules and Natalie is just being like the younger sister younger daughter but it's fun she's quite spunky and gets to hang out with all these animals on a farm oh my god okay yeah it's like a really bad film i hated it but it was marilyn monroe's first film she has two seconds of screen time oh (laughs) no lines no way yeah and then chicken every sunday Okay. Uh, which I'm just not even going to really talk about because I think she had one minute. Okay. Just once again, the daughter. And then the Green Promise, which I think is probably most notable for when she got her wrists broken. It's not bad, I guess. The thing I've sort of realized with watching all of her early films is it's this very specific brand of film where I think you're supposed to take your whole family and just see other families on yep. screen. Yeah. And I just don't care about that anymore. I'm yeah, sure in no. the 40s it was great. But yeah. It's, it feels like it's all like low stakes, but it's just not like good. No. <laughs> and it's all of these established actors, like the older actors as well. And yeah. they're not really doing anything like that special, which is too bad as well, because she co-starred with some pretty big names. Yeah. Oh, like who? The next one I was going to talk about is The Jackpot, which has Jimmy Stewart. Oh, wow. As her father, which is so weird. To me, they're just like two completely different like worlds. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. I didn't really like that one either. <laughs> no, that's fine. I'm not a big fan of Jimmy Stewart. There were several that I just completely skipped because I think it was just that same yes. generic family comedy that I just don't think has translated well into modern day. Yeah, totally, totally. And it don't feature Natalie a lot by the sound mm. of it either. No, That's also so it's just like t- not worth it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> because we're moving on to her teen roles. Why do you think she was able to become a a teen actor after being a child star because I think a lot of kids from that era weren't able to make that transition yeah yeah I think it's a turn with one film and I think it was Rebel that did it which we will 
We've got later, obviously. But I think she must have, it was definitely, by the sounds of it, Perseverance, because she was in so many films. Yeah. In that transition as well. I like to also think that hopefully she just had it, like it with a capital I. Like she was able to because she had charisma that also worked when she was older. I don't want to shade of her child actor, but I think of like like Shirley Temple, but like she kind of fizzled a bit when mm-hmm. she got older. No, no fault of her own. That's Hollywood. But I just Natalie just had this like aura about her that actually worked. And yeah, like we are getting to this stage where she's only playing the daughter, or she's only got a couple of scenes. And so when it gets to fifty-five with Rebel, and she's so good in it, and it's such a transformative film, I think that's what then people thought. Oh, okay, yeah, no, she deserves to now be in with the older teen adult actors. Yeah. What about you? I agree. I think she had a maturity and just an awareness that a lot of other child actors didn't have. Um, And of course I'm not like knocking them either. I just think that was their thing was they were like the precocious little kid, but she just had more potential. And if you look at a lot of other child actors from that era who did continue working like Elizabeth Taylor, Dean Stockwell, Roddy McDowell, like they all, had something more special about them and I think they were able to change with the times as well yes yeah but then also maybe a lot of it does come down to what the studios wanted because I don't I think they were pretty harsh towards Shirley Temple like when she did start growing up and they were like no we want you to be little forever and yeah that's all yeah that would have been really hard and I don't think the same thing happened to Natalie so maybe that's why it was easier but they still definitely wanted her to play the younger roles when yeah. she wasn't young oh yeah splendor yeah or even just like one desire like she's yes. I think she was 16 but she's supposed to be playing like 12 or something yeah so, so now we're going into the 50s And so with The Star in 1952, it follows an old Hollywood actress played by Betty Crawford. What's her name? What's her name? Betty Davis. Betty Davis. They they hate each other. Oh, God. (laughs) This is why you do the film intros. That's okay. They're they're, they're similar in a way. Right. Yeah. Betty Davis is very good in this. She's very good. But yeah, so it's similar to the late 40s is that Natalie plays Gretchen, who's Betty Davis's daughter. She's like a teen girl next door kind of vibe. Very small role. Probably in about two scenes. Um, One at the beginning where we see the home life. Betty Davis's character really wants to be famous again but it's just not working out for her. She's old and Hollywood hates that. And it's interesting to then see her go back to home and like her daughter loves her and obsesses over her. Like it's brilliant. Weirdly enough, the only other scene she's in, at least like was bigger, it's on a boat in the water. Yeah. Which is something we are going to see, strangely, in a lot of her films, which is just so awful to think about. But yeah, I did write, though, that she wears a gorgeous swimming costume in that scene. (laughs) (laughs) That's what matters. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But no, just sweet. She's 
Bless her heart, she's got nothing really. It, it's a nothing role. But the film's quite good. I think you would like it. I really do. I do want to check that one out. That's so weird to think of her and Betty also being in a movie together. Yes. I love yeah. that. She's really putting up with the big stars. Yeah. Should we go to the Silver Chalice? <laughs> oh, do we have to? <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> The extra sad thing about this film is that Natalie has one scene. It's at the very beginning. And this film is three and a half hours. I don't think it, it was it just free? Just three. But very it long. Like years. Oh my God. Oh I don't even want to think God. about it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even quite sure what the plot is. It's some like biblical epic type thing. Paul Newman in his first role has to find this chalice and like carve stuff on it or something <laughs> I don't know this is perfect this is perfect. but either way it's just it's one of those biblical epic type films that was incredibly popular in the 50s yes. yeah I don't know if this was popular at the time but it definitely does not rank among the others like not whatsoever <laughs> I would not be surprised if it just bombed no <laughs> but Natalie plays the younger version of Virginia Mayo's character and she's like the childhood sweetheart of young Paul Newman's character like, like the scene also- is- cute but there's no development between them and then it doesn't really matter either later on because what we see with Natalie and then what we see with Virginia Mayo it's two different people yeah yeah there's no crossover at all no they are two different characters and not even in a good way I just remembered one defining bit of her scene of Natalie's scene when she jumps out the window she just see ya jumps out a window (laughs) and I think that's it then yeah, she left the film and it's only been 15 minutes. <laughs> We're stuck watching it. <laughs> um, but if anyone gave a good performance, it was Pierre Angeli. Oh, she delivered. Yeah. She did not need to, but she did. No. Like, she was the only one that, like, read the script. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone was, like, blackmailed into being there. <laughs> Like, I literally still can't believe Paul Newman has a career after that. <laughs> I know. I'm so glad he did, though, because, oh, he wasn't bad. He just wasn't up to his standard. But it was his first film, so. Yeah, we could let him off. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't him. It was the film. Yeah. And it is a little bit campy, but not campy enough, I think. I think yes. it took itself too seriously. Yes, yes. And it should have leaned into the campiness. It should have. There's literally a character who wears a unitard with sperm on it. (laughs) No, I must have forgot about that. And then literally, as I was writing up my notes, I was like, wait a minute. I remember this. (laughs) The sperm unitard. why could it have just been like that i think that's where it went wrong it should have just been insane the whole time yes because the campy parts were the best parts exactly yes nat was also blonde in it which i just think is quite cool because she's never that's like never her hair color 
Before I watched the movie, I thought she was playing young Pierre Angelou because they look really similar. And so I think it's odd that they picked her to play young Virginia Mayo because they don't look similar at all. She looks almost exactly. It's too bad she dyed her hair for that role. She actually dyed it? Yeah, she had five minutes, actually maybe less, and she never was blonde again. So never again. I think she learned. Yeah. (laughs) Never know. (laughs) Don't do that. You want to do One Desire next? Yes. So we got One Desire released in 1955. The main star of that is Rock Hudson. And Audrey, could you remind me what the one's called? Oh, yeah, sure. Anne Baxter. And Baxter, that's it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Legend icon. Yeah. yeah, she was brilliant in this. But yeah, so those two are together. They're not really married. It's a weird arrangement. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And Baxter was like in, in a whorehouse sort mm-hmm. of situation. Yeah. And he. How did they meet, though? I totally it was forgot. At the place, I'm certain. I'm <laughs> I do not remember this film at all. No, I never going to meet him. <laughs> But then, yeah, because Rock's got a kid. No, oh, sorry, no, it's his brother. His brother. Yeah, the kid little brother. Like, ends up at the, that's it, that's at the brothel. It, yeah. yes, and he has yes. to come and get him. Yes, you got it. Yeah, yes. yeah. yeah. And then they're like, ooh. Oh. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> they move out of this weird country house in the countryside. And then yeah. their neighbor is Nat, who plays Seeley. And we first see her sat on a fence. Do you remember she does like a flip over it? Uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> it's like one of that. those, um, I think you would tie your horse to it. That's it, yes. Yeah. Yes. Like a post. Sort yeah. Of but so, yeah, then yeah I gets... love her introduction. That's so her. Like, yeah. Celia is a great character. So they become a little bit of a little family, but then... Oh, yeah, her this. dad died in like a mining accident yes it's quite and dark, so she, actually. yeah and he was like abusive to her i think implied yes yeah, yeah. So, glad to see him gone yeah no i don't care that he died no. <laughs> but yeah then but then they get broken up because rock hudson's new bow like just doesn't like Anne Baxter's character and then yeah it's kind of like what happens after that it's very melodramatic yes. but then just goes utter chaos at the end like too much <laughs> so <Yeah>. weird <laughs> yeah oh i'm with celie's character as well they do like a my fair lady on her they because when they meet her when she's with her dad like she's a bit scruffy a bit farm chic shall i say <laughs> <laughs> and then they make her up and she's, yeah, that, she's uh, all like prim and proper and Exactly. Yeah. We didn't like she, the transformation. No, much. we wanted old Seely. Come on. Yeah. She is quite a big part of this film, narrative wise. <laughs> I think this is this is kind of like the turning point because she's kind of she's got a more stronger role and she's playing a bit more outlandish as well. Yeah, like more rebellious. Yes. Yeah. It's funny you say that word. Yeah. <laughs> This is the same year as Rebel Without a Cause, which just yeah. blows my mind because it is two completely different roles. She's still childlike in One Desire. Yeah. She definitely needed this role in Rebel. Yes. To yes. break her away from all of the other stuff she'd done. 
I feel like most people know what this film is about. I'd say it's arguably one of her most well-known movies, but it centers around these three teenagers over the span of 24 hours, which is insane if you think about it. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) hours it only a day. Yeah. James Dean's character, whose name is Jim, how creative. It's his first day at school in this new town, and... He gets in trouble with the cool kids at the school and they challenge him to a chicky run, which is where ugh, it's so stupid. It <laughs> is. Who would do this? Yeah. Like, I, someone challenged me to that. I'd be like, no, 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 thanks. Like, I'd rather yeah. be a chicken. <laughs> right. Yeah. I'd gladly be a chicken. Oh, sorry. I forgot to mention that Natalie plays Judy, who is the girlfriend of Buzz, the guy who challenges Jim to the chicky run, which is where two people drive their cars like down this really long just like strip of grass and whoever jumps out of their car first before they like literally go off a cliff is the chicken and so then buzz his sleeve gets caught in the door he tries to get out but he can't and the oh, car is hard yeah oh yeah it's, oh, yeah, it's no. tonal tonal shift for sure he goes off the side of the cliff. Everybody's, oh, we just, we got to go home. We don't want to be at the scene of the crime, which is so sad. Like, even his right. friends don't really care that much. Yeah. And then it's just about the development between the romance. I don't know. <laughs> it's always of, a romance. Um, of Jim and Judy. And then we got Plato played by Salminio, who's like their friend. Um, They take him in and buzz his friends like coming after them and trying to get revenge I think that's about it yeah no that's perfect yeah. okay <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's very well it's, it's insane so I've seen this one twice the first time I didn't like it at all the second oh. time I actually liked it quite a bit oh um, interesting tell me about that then yeah what was it so I think it was because the first time I didn't really know like what it was about like I thought yeah. it was not so melodramatic and like cheesy and it's a little cringe it's quite dated yeah yeah yeah. no I totally get that (laughs) but then I think the second time around I was a fan of Natalie and Salminio at that point and then also I knew what to expect so I could look more into the characters in the story yeah I still I wouldn't say I love it I'm not like a fan but it's an interesting film yeah definitely definitely interesting for its time it was released yeah what did you think about it I really liked it I really liked the film I thought it was brilliant but here's the tea <laughs> I don't like I don't like it as a Natalie film same actually yeah good I'm glad yeah. we're on the same page like she's mean to Jimmy at the beginning you know what I mean like yeah. um, so I kind of like I don't like because I love him he's so sweet asking them for directions and they're just being mean to him and so I was a bit like upset with her I was a bit disappointed yeah but, and also I do think James Dean and Sal Minio definitely steal the show a little bit but I was just from me watching it I was just blown away by them as it being my first film I'll tell you some things I like I love oh my god I love the newlywed scene and then yeah. because they like toured around the house that's very cute I just think they were just very cute together I yeah did you notice Dennis Hopper is in this he doesn't speak which is oh, don't even yeah. oh my god but like <laughs> I, I knew it was him I knew it from his eyes I was like that's Dennis 
Yeah, I think the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't know who that yeah, guy is. is but yeah, yeah the second says. time I was like, wait, oh my god, I forgot he was in this. <laughs> Dennis! <laughs> I think it's because we watched Blue Velvet not that long ago before I watched Rebel. So I had his head in my in my head. <laughs> that is so unfortunate. Right, it's just two different characters. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like he could be quite in the same vein. He's quite mean in Rebel. Yeah, he is. He's like the guy who always thinks he's cooler than he really is, and he's always like agreeing with the main bullet. I hate it. It's yeah. so weird because this is such a teen drama, but it's so revered as well and celebrated. Yeah, maybe because back then it kind of helped create the just the image of a teenager. Yes. So then the older people nowadays, like who grew up with that, then it is special to them for that reason. Very nostalgic in that way, but yeah. also could still resonate with the teens of today. Yeah. You also mentioned the fact that it was Natalie's first Oscar nomination. Yes. Best Supporting Actress? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, what's funny about that to me is, so Sal Minio and Natalie were nominated, but James Dean wasn't. Yeah. That's insane, isn't it? <laughs> Why? <That's> so <laughs> weird. So the winner was Joe Van Fleet for East of Eden, which I agree with. Yes. Sorry, Natalie. Like, Joe is really good at that movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No way. Yeah, yeah. Another and James then, Dean film, though. Yes. Um, and then the only other nominee I've seen was Betsy Blair and Marty, and I didn't really like her. So we're okay with Joan. Yeah. <laughs> and this is such a good time for Natalie that she got that role. Yeah. I got Oscar nom for it as well. That yeah. definitely also pushed her into the world of adults. I yes. Think. And she was a teenager in Rebel, so is Salminio. Yes. Which I think adds like another layer of realism. Yeah. She was experiencing a lot of similar things that Judy was, like growing up and her parents don't really like that. All yeah. that stuff with her father is really interesting because she loves her father, but he views her love as being like sexual. Yeah. And like yeah. it's really weird to think about. <sighs> someone interpreting their daughter's actions that way yeah what makes you think that yeah should not be his first fault no in her first scene when she's crying in the police department about how her father was slut shaming her it's really heart-wrenching and that is her very first scene in the film and she just starts off so emotionally charged and i like that as well that they show a girl's relationship with her father like, normally it's just the boys mm-hmm. fighting with their parents. So I'm so glad that they took it on that angle as well. Yeah. I do wish they had developed that more, though. Yes. Yeah, because there's only that, the scene with, at the dinner table. And mm-hmm. then she goes off and we don't see them again. Yeah. Do you think the 24-hour period was too short? I think so. I don't like it. Like, yeah. to, to introduce so much stuff at the beginning and then not go into it again a bit wasted and yeah. also so unbelievable that this is 24 hours yeah <laughs> I think the main issue I had with that even on rewatch was the romance between yes. Jim and Judy because one her boyfriend literally died and yes. two they're already like we want to get married and stuff 
And I'm like, you just That's met pathetic. 10 hours ago. <laughs> yeah, it is. And pathetic. she was so mean to him. I would have preferred if the three of them had just been friends, like just been there to support each other. Yes, yes. She shouldn't have been with that group. Yeah, if it were just yeah. those three, it'd be lush. Yeah. But I think for the time it was influential and I can appreciate that. Yes, um, same. I can understand its place in like pop culture and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, it's out of the Natalie films. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Do you just think her performance isn't up to her usual caliber? Or do you just not like the character? I think in terms of her films, I know we say it's her groundbreaking moment. But yeah, once again, she is just like a daughter role. I just feel like it's still on the same par as her teeny roles in a way. This is kind of technically really the only one where she's in her adult roles. She's not the star. So in this one, it's just a bit like, oh, okay, she's a supporting role. And that's why I don't like it as much. Yeah, I think from what I remember, her character felt it was obviously like a teenage girl written by a grown man (laughs) it's not her fault I just think it's like the way her character is written for me as like a teenage-ish girl like I couldn't relate to her as much as I wanted to yeah but I guess in terms of that time period maybe it was accurate I know I agree with you though she's not bad it's just not my favorite of hers yeah yeah well I, I gave it a four and a half stars on letterbox i love oh, okay <laughs> like <laughs> it's just very yeah. good so the girl he left behind yes oh my <laughs> okay oh what oh i actually could not think though i'm like wait what is it and then i just saw tab's name I'm like, oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> oh god this film <laughs> Oh, I'll just break it down really quick. But basically, Tab Hunter plays the Andy. Yes. Yeah. Okay. And he's dating Natalie's character, whose name I can't remember. Sorry. Oh, oh another Susan. Okay. Another Susan. Interesting. <laughs> Same one. Shared universe. Our Susan from Miracle would not put up with the stuff that this Susan puts up with. No way. And they break up because Andy has to go into the army because yes, he's like I... flunking at college. Yeah. Archaeology. <laughs> yeah, he got an F in archaeology. How do you get an F yeah. in archaeology? Yeah. <laughs> and I, yeah, so I guess his only other option is to go serve in the military. Okay. Oh, um, well, yeah, we wouldn't have lasted five seconds. In the nope. <laughs> Thankfully, it's during peacetime, so. Yes, yeah, yeah. 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 He's just, like, training in, um, just being an asshole. <laughs> yep, yep. Like, we, he's defying guards, which, like, or normally I'd be like, yes, like, you do that, that's brilliant. But he's just annoying. <laughs> yeah, like, he's not doing anything to fight the system. He's just no. being a jerk. Yeah. Yeah, and so Natalie's not really in this one. She's the girl he left behind. Mm-hmm. So she sometimes just comes to visit him yeah. at the base. And it's tricky because I really liked her, and then the movie just nerfed her character yeah. because she was first very strong, independent. She was taking classes at the college, and she had a job. And then she's just, oh, never mind. <laughs> I'm just going to be with you. 
she blows off one of her exams to be with him oh my god why he keeps trying to get her to marry him and he he keeps forcing himself on her and yeah it's just icky yeah it's an odd one but how weird is that to come after rebel yeah that was like backtracking for sure a lot of the films she did after rebel were bad and i think that's weird because she was oscar nominated and for them to just keep giving her the same stuff that she was doing before is really odd yeah what were they i don't think they knew what to do with her in a way yeah i think when you're about that age like 16 17 you're too old to play kids but then you're too young to play adults yes yeah and for some reason they can't let teenagers like play teenagers (laughs) there's like it seems to be no market for them which is there is even in those days I bet there were oh definitely yeah such an odd cast choice to to be in this film yeah because she doesn't have much screen time again yeah her character is just she's not a bad character but she's just there yeah we had to wait such long periods to get her yeah <laughs> we had to suffer through andy just being the worst oh Audrey, wait you've just you've missed out something what the narrator no yeah the narrator <laughs> you've repressed it then andy yes oh my god <laughs> this is the most annoying narrator Maybe in the history of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> I felt violated by him. Same. Louise and I both agreed that he was like in love with Andy. It was like a wink nudge to the audience. Everything he said. Oh, it was just, you can imagine him saying it with like a smirk. And it's like, stop. Yeah. <laughs> Please. So weird. Oh, there's another scene that really stood out to us in a bad way. Is that Andy, he's supposed to be like on the lookout in this like valley area where all their troops are testing out weapons and he's supposed to just make sure that like people don't come in to the area and get blown up yeah but of course he's neglecting his duties these two kids and their little dog are like running through this valley and these bombs are going off all around them and they almost die. They almost died. On Andy's watch because he yeah. wasn't looking. Oh my god, it's like your one job. It's your watch. It was such a strange what? jump. What is this film? Yeah. And he just gets suspended, I think. Yes. Yeah, he gets he gets a good telling off and yeah, they like ask him to leave. Nobody cares that these two little boys almost die. I just, I'm dumbfounded by it. I really am. (laughs) Yeah, it's a weird movie and not fun either. And it's it's... just propaganda. Yes. Oh, for sure. Total army propaganda. It's just really bad word. Especially (laughs) because he gets promoted at the end. Oh, that's right. Yeah. There's no way. He's rubbish. Natalie did the best she could. Yes. Like, she really tried. She showed up. Yeah. Was this? She had really short hair in this one, wasn't it? Yes. Which I didn't like of... it. Yeah, I didn't like it either. My mom and I were just talking yesterday about how Audrey Hepburn is the only one who can pull off like their really short hair with their really yes. short bangs. Kind of like the pixie cut, isn't it? Yeah. I yeah. just don't think Natalie Definitely. had the right face shape for it. Yes. Yeah, no. Yeah. I... yeah. But yeah, you know, she tried it. 
And this was the second of two movies she did with Tab Hunter. We didn't watch the first one. What did you think of them? I thought they were quite cute together. Weird, they had weird sort of chemistry, but no sexual tension. <laughs> kind of see a little connection between them. But yeah, the times when he would force himself on her or make her miss her exams, I was a bit like, I wrote in my notes, up, I wish she would leave Andy. Exclamation mark. <laughs> <laughs> oh my, yeah, no. She deserved way better than him. She really did. What yeah. did you think of the two? I feel the same. I thought they were cute, but I didn't feel that sweetheart type relationship between them. There wasn't like that sexual tension between them. Yeah. And then also because they didn't really give them like a chance to develop the relationship. Like they are just arguing Yes. So we didn't really get yeah. to see them like being cute together or anything. No. And they had limited scenes as well in that sense as well. So yeah, everything was just them fighting. And then it would be a long stretch of him in the army. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which honestly, he had more like sexual tension with those guys than her. <laughs> if we want to talk about gay subtext, definitely that scene where his superior guy beats him up. Yeah, for yeah. sure. When they're yeah. like in outside and then they've got like the white tank pops on. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> They're rolling around in the mud together. I think I gave it one star. Might be generous. That's very generous, but I did give it one and a half, which is also okay. very generous. That's my last Natalie film that I saw of the 50s. Okay, I have three more. Ooh, tell me. Tell I talk about them. Okay. So we got Bombers B52. It's not terrible, I guess. It's just not my kind of movie because. It's about these guys building or flying planes and stuff. Mm, yeah, um, nah. Nah. <laughs> and uh, so Natalie plays Carl Malden's daughter. And the back and forth stuff they have is really nice. And you can tell they really liked to play off each other's actors. I think it's cool that he was in a film with her in the middle of her career like in the 50s and then 60s and 70s and yeah it's just interesting to see them I don't say grow up because he was already an adult their progression yeah yeah and I think he was a bit of a father figure to her as well it's very nice yes and then kings go forth which is where she's playing like this french woman who's like being pursued by two american soldiers played Ooh. by tony curtis and frank sinatra oh, okay which sounds fun but it's not no <laughs> and i think the issue here is that she's playing a character who's half white half black oh no oh um, no so yeah no. it tries to tackle racism yes. but then it's like don't cast natalie wood yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, oh, I think God. Dorothy Dandridge was actually originally supposed to play her part. She does speak French, so that's pretty cool. Nice. French accent's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's pretty good. She's an accent queen, by the sounds of it. Yeah, I, th- I think so. Yeah. Austrian, they're French, American, her normal yeah. one. She's done Southern accent. Yeah, technically like Puerto Rican. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, we'll get to that. <laughs> yeah, we'll get to that later. We'll get to... But yeah, no, I'd say, especially compared to a lot of actors at that time, like she does try with the accents. And something I've noticed is even if a character someone is playing is like French or Swedish or something, they don't even try to do the accent. Yeah. So I can 
I can admire that from her. I could applaud that yeah. from that. But so do you not recommend that film then? No. I haven't seen it in a while either, but from what I can remember, the two love interests are like really possessive over her and just mean. And I think maybe even racist, like once they learn. I guess the only thing to see it for maybe would be like, it's the first movie she did with Tony Curtis and he played the trumpet and he actually played it in the film. So I think that's pretty cool. I want to see that. Yeah, Maybe just that scene. <laughs> yeah. And then the other one is Marjorie Morningstar, where she's playing opposite Gene Kelly. And it's like he's a, a, this dance instructor at summer camp, and she's like a counselor, and oh, they oh fall God. in love. And it's just about their relationship over the years. I didn't really like it either. Gene Kelly was way too old. I think he oh, was right. 46. And she was 19. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> I don't really remember anything about it because I didn't want to rewatch it. I do remember her being good, though. I just think okay. the movie around her wasn't. I like Gene Kelly. I just think he was like a really bad choice for the Definitely part. Definitely miscast. Yeah. And it was supposed to go to Paul Newman. Ooh. See, that would have been better, right? Yeah, Definitely. <laughs> can um, Paul Newman dance though nope <laughs> but he would try he would try I can't decide if they wrote that in the film for Gene Kelly or if it was the character but I'm sure they could have just made him like an acting teacher or something yeah they could have changed it yeah oh, poor. but the thing is they were supposed to appear in like a few films together And I'm really disappointed we never got one because I'm not counting the Silver Chalice because they didn't share any scenes. They're such big stars of those days. You think they would have been? Yeah. Missed opportunity for sure. (laughs) It's so strange to me how varied her career was after Rebel before the 60s because I, I would just think like people would take her seriously by then and I mean it's great in all of these films I've mentioned it's just why do you think she was still getting these parts I think it's probably a case more of like typecasting like that's maybe that's what she was familiar with what she was used to that maybe made her heart go for them or that the people casting knew she would knock out the park with like she would be able to do those things it is it is sad because it is kind of like a little decline in a way. I think I've said this for a lot of people on this pod, but yeah, I think it's just that they just also didn't know what to do with her. Yeah. They knew they could stick her in those films, being the girlfriend now. Not no longer the daughter, now the girlfriend. And weirdly typecast. There was just a really big misstep on their part though. I think so too. hundred percent. And with all of these films, she did have like very established co-stars. None of the performances are bad. I really just think it was on the part of the screenwriters and directors and stuff. I just don't know until the 60s if she really found someone that knew how to work with her. Because I know you mentioned in the bio that with Splendor, like that was when she started to pick her own roles. Maybe she could. She had that more freedom in the 60s. Yeah, the 60s, I would say, is her golden era for sure. Completely agree, yeah. Yeah. 
In fact, I actually think that her worst era is the 50s. Oh, yeah. yeah. They did I not it, know what to do with her. It was the, probably her age. Yes. Yeah. It's an awkward time. Yeah. And I don't, maybe that's not a thing anymore because there are more opportunities for younger actors. But I just think the concept of a teenager in the 50s was so new. Yes. Yeah. Which is so weird to think about because there's always been people that age. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. We had them. <laughs> so, should we go to Splendor in the Grass? Yes. So kind of like a romance film, basically. Stars, obviously, we've got Natalie Wood as Wilma Dean. Love her so much. Goes by Deanie. Great character. And she's in a relationship with Bud, who is played by Warren Beatty, enemy of the pod. Um, <laughs> and it's his first, this is his first ever role. So he's very yes. young. Yeah. And they're dating, they're together. But so Natalie Dean's from a poor family. Bud's from a very rich tycoon family. And his dad wants him to go off to college and kind of leave Deanie behind, dragging him down a bit. And if he wants to come back, he can go there. But college first. And Bud doesn't really want to do that. He wants to be with Dean. Perfect together. He's It's just a perfect romance. He's a star of the football team. They're in school together. It's just very cutesy. Mm-hmm. They break up and it just the two drift off and their lives like wildly change it's quite sad actually because Dini um gets put in a, like an institution because she the breakup was not good for her at all and then also Bud goes down a bit of an alcoholic route and it's really really sad and it's really annoying because if they just stayed together and didn't listen to Bud's evil dad it would be perfect I really enjoyed this film and I love it and I think it is my favorite Natalie film Wow. I really loved it so much. I think it's because I wasn't expecting to like it or have such an emotional reaction to it that I did, but just really good. And I just, I, I know we, we don't like one beat, but I'm just looking at him in this film. I just love him and I love Deanie and Bud so much that they were endgame for me, like perfect people. <laughs> and also, Deanie is probably one of my favorite characters of all time. Like, I just love her. I relate to her so much. See her in me. I think she's brilliant. I love her. What did you think about Splendor? <laughs> oh, it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. Get it all out. Get it all out. Okay. I'm middle of the road, I think. Yes. There's things I love about it and there's things I hate about it. But yeah, Natalie is incredible in this. I can definitely see why she got a nomination. Yes. Yeah. She also like just looks stunning. She looks good in it. Yeah. Yeah. She's so vulnerable in it. It's tough to watch especially the scene in the bathtub with her mother but I just think it's because she could draw so much from her own life to the character of Deanie and that also makes it more sad as well for me I didn't like Warren B no (laughs) I thought he was a bit wooden I just don't know if this was a good first film I just didn't feel the nuance in his performance but yeah, maybe I'm just biased. I don't know. <laughs> no, that's a really good point. Because he kind of, no, we needed an established actor within the trade to do Bud. Warren plays him as a bit of a meathead jock. There's someone I thought would be good. And then there's someone who is considered for the role. Ooh, yeah. So I wanted to bring those up. But I thought Dean Stockwell would be really good. <laughs> nice. Just from the film's 
from this era of his I've seen, like he's definitely played similar roles to that. And then an actor who is considered for it was Dennis Hopper. <gasps> what do you think? I love the Dennis Hopper line. Yeah, 100%. Definitely. He's such a good actor. It would be weird to see with... him and Natalie in a movie together as well. They did already have that relationship established. Yes. Yeah. There was, a, there was chemistry there with them. Mm-hmm. Only issue with that was, but I think they were also, would he have been too old? I don't think so. I, Warren Beatty was actually older than her. Wait, let me, let me Google. Yeah, that's about one of my issues with Splendor. Is that it does, they are so old. They're really too old. <laughs> Okay, There's no way that they are in high school. No. I think they were like mid twenties. <laughs> oh, that he would have been twenty-five. Warren Beatty or Sorry, Dennis Hopper. And I think that Warren was also twenty-five. I prefer that Dennis Hopper line so much. Oh my god. He could create like that torment. Yes. To Bud. Yeah. That just felt a little cringe with Warren. <laughs> yeah. It, Bless. No, I wasn't I, the one. Really. Yeah, was, do you think he and Natalie had good chemistry? I won't lie. I did like them together. Okay. I did. Yeah. I really did. Which is so funny because obviously they hated each other. Yeah. <laughs> but I think that makes it good. I think that makes it good. Yeah. I really believed them as a couple. Yeah. Fully supported them. Okay. Yeah, I felt the same, honestly. I thought they went well together. There was just like some, there was a block. There was a blockage. It looked like they were acting. Yeah. It was just for the camera. Yeah, and because it was. <laughs> Quite literally. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, have you seen any other Kazan films? No, I think that's okay. the only one. Because I wanted to get your opinion on like, how it ranked among the others but those are yeah that's just the one (laughs) do you want to do that have you seen streetcar yeah (laughs) unfortunately i think you should should say where splendor ranks okay let me pull up the ones i've seen so definitely east of venus number one number two would be wild river number three Maybe On the Waterfront? That's a classic. Yeah. Number four, Splendor. I think five would be A Face in the Crowd. But then these last three, I kind of don't like them all. I'll go with Gentleman's Agreement. And then The Last Tycoon. And then Streetcar, because I really just hate Streetcar. But The Last Tycoon is so disappointing because, you know, it's, Young Robert De Niro, and then like tons of these old Hollywood stars. Oh my god! But it's just really bad. <laughs> okay, I might watch that though. That sounds good. No, but Robert De Niro is very attractive in it. So we can watch it for that at least. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Splendor is definitely in the middle. Like I think some of the stuff is really great. I especially love the stuff with Barbara Loden's character. She was. Uh, Warren Beatty's sister. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, yes. yeah. And I definitely want to talk about her. What did you think? Is it Ginny? Yeah, Ginny. Yeah, really interesting. Kind of in a way, weird relationship with her dad, like Judy in Rebel. I felt bad more because also, can I just say, I hate the dad. He's my least favorite character. Oh, yeah, no, he's the worst. All the problems are because of him. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, yeah, no, Ginny was great. I wish we actually got to see more of her. She was so much more interesting than Bud. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Everyone's more interesting than Bud. But I kind of forgot about her, like, halfway through the film. We never saw her again. Yeah. But I like and it when they... they um... like, oh, yeah, she died in a car crash. Thanks. Thanks <laughs> a lot. Come on, that's our Ginny. <laughs> very interesting development. I feel like it's, she's quite risque for the time. Uh, very open with her sexuality. She's great. Yeah. What, what, what do you think? I wish they'd had her more in the film. Like, honestly, I would have just loved to have seen a movie about her. The movie does a good job, for the most part, of displaying that sort of, like, virgin horror complex that a lot of people have, where it's like, you're terrible if you don't sleep with anyone, but then if you sleep with people, then you suck, which is still an issue that women face today. Then also, I think sometimes it overdoes that as well. Yeah, they're like the 60s values show through in a way. Yeah, because by killing off Ginny's characters, if you're like Ginny, then you deserve to die and just be mentioned in like an offhand sentence. Yeah, um, definitely. That's kind of like, it's been after the Hayes Code taken into effect. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's the worst. Stupid Hayes Code. <laughs> and then same with Dini, where it's like, if you're too virginal, then you're just going to go insane. And, yes! Um, oh my god! Yeah, I think that's why I don't like the movie for the most part is I'm so sick of like this like crazy woman kind of movie where there's literally nothing wrong with her, yet everyone thinks she needs psychological help. Yeah, it's quite drastic. Yeah. Annie's mom is not very good. Bless her, she tries, but yeah, the whole first scene where, with her and Dini, like, where she's talking about, like, a woman is only supposed to have sex, like, to have kids and not get any pleasure from it. I was like, oh, my God. So bad. <laughs> People think this. Yeah. And she just wants to pawn her off, I feel. To the rich bud. Yeah, basically. She doesn't really seem to care about Dini. Maybe if it hadn't been made in the 60s, it could have been a little more progressive yeah but then it's like 60s set in the 20s it's yeah it's a gray area yeah yeah <laughs> to think of what else i will say though like how did it get past the production code <laughs> she's naked in that bath scene and she like runs off i think it's yeah. everything but that's too much in those days oh and oh my god, and the kiss between Bud and oh, that, yeah. the girl from school. Yeah. They, they're using tongues. Which is so, like, That's right so... now it does not matter. Yeah. Oh my yeah. god, they're probably fainting in their seat. <laughs> it is about sexual repression. And to come out in a time as well where it's still, er- it's only early 60s. They still have the values of the 50s. Mm. We haven't had that, like, liberation yet. There's, they still have old fashioned values. So I think it harkens back to that period rather than when it came out. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. But it's great to even tackle that subject because they yeah. are actively talking about sex and stuff. That's a lot. Yeah. At that time. How they treated sex and stuff like in the 60s has changed so much over the years. And get like the time period more accurate. Like it does not look like it's set in the 20s no. at all. Anna Hill Johnstone, who did costumes for The Godfather, Dog Day Afternoon, East of Eden, Running on Empty. Oh my God. 
That's all, a lot of range of films. Yeah. It needed to feel like it was set in that time period, though. Yes. Yeah. I. It felt too clean for the twenties. Like it was just. Yeah. Especially yeah, like the like poor. Pretty. Yes. Uh, neighborhood. I think if you're if you were poor in the twenties, you were poor. Yeah. Their house was fine. Should we look at the Oscar? Oh that? sure. It's kind of similar to Running on Empty, which is so weird as the, we have the same costume designer. Like, mm-hmm. I can't imagine the Academy watching it because this is a teen romance. I always think of it as being all these old white dudes. And to imagine yeah. them watching this is really weird to me. It's not right. Warren Beatty nominated? No, I don't think he's okay. Oh, that's good. That's good. <laughs> right? No, he didn't deserve I know it got nominated for screenplay as well. Really? Yeah. I didn't, I wasn't a fan. I like certain parts, but it just felt a bit unnatural. So Audrey Hepburn was nominated for Breakfast at Tiffany's, which I love. I love that film. But I don't think that's Hepburn's best. So in that case, I would rank Natalie over her in this category. I didn't know the other two or the other three, but Sophia Loren won it that year. It makes her the first actor to ever win the Oscar for a non-English speaking performance. Oh, nice. I didn't know the other two. Okay. Did you write them down? I did not know. Oh. <laughs> I've seen one of these other two. Oh, what are they? So Piper Laurie in The Hustler, which I've seen that film and I thought she was quite good. Nice. What was the other one? And then Geraldine Page in Summer and Smoke. Which I'm not familiar with. No, never mind. Next, we're going to talk about West Side Story, which came out in 1961. And it is a musical based off of Romeo and Juliet, but it takes place in Manhattan. And it's about these two rival gangs, the Jets and the Sharks, and two people from each group fall in love. Maria, played by Natalie Wood, and then Tony, played by Richard Boehmer. But she wasn't nominated for this, was she? Okay, which is kind of weird because yeah. it was nominated a lot of people for were. basically everything else. Yeah. Was there like a limit for how many times he could be nominated? Because she was nominated for Splendor. Oh, I don't know. I don't think so. Because that was the okay. same year, wasn't it? Because yeah, yeah, people have been nominated twice. Right? In the same like, year. The only one I can think of right now is Scarlett Johansson was nominated for Marriage Story and Jojo Rabbit. Although, oh. actually, yeah, those were in lead and supporting, though. Okay. But, yeah, you can't, I think, I don't think there's a cap. Okay. So, do you think that she should have been nominated for Splendor? Or did you like her performance more in this one? Oh, no, I did not like her performance in West Side Story. Oh. <laughs> I'm not really a fan of this movie. She's not bad. I just don't think, once again, they really give her that much to work with. Yes. Yeah. And because they sadly dub her over, it's not it's not her. She's acting, but it's all about the singing, really, which is obviously so sad. They were basically lying to her face. Like, she would record the songs, and then they would be like, oh, that was great. You did a wonderful job. And then they didn't even tell her until the movie came out and she found out. That's horrible. That's horrible. I I think it would have been better if either they changed the song so she could sing it like it was in her range or told her. But I think maybe Mm -hmm. they feared that she Mm -hmm. would quit the film if she knew she wasn't 
going right. to be seeing think- ahead of time. But seems pretty cruel to me. <laughs> it's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. So what did you think of the film? Yeah, it's really tricky because so I watched the... Also, I've always grown up with West Side Story because my sister loved it. And then I watched the Spielberg remake of it in the cinema last year and I really, really loved it. And so I think it kind of ruined this one, the 61, because I just... It just didn't hit the same. If we're talking about Natalie, I think she was definitely overshadowed in it by literally, like most of the other characters like by <laughs> Marino, Shakiris and Russ Tamlin because Marie Antonia is such an annoying character as well so that yeah. kind of doesn't work in her favor either yeah I wish people didn't just automatically think of this when they think of Natalie Wood what about you what did you think it wasn't for me I yeah. Romeo and Juliet I think is a little tired for me as a story like they they don't really do a lot with it and I could see, at least with West Side Story, yes. they did try to change it, but then don't cast white actors, which yeah. I definitely want to get into more in a little bit. For Natalie, she is decent, I guess. I definitely agree with you that it shouldn't be her most well-known film, though. But that ending monologue is probably the best part of the film. Yes. Yeah. It just dragged so much and none of the songs were that memorable to me I do really like the way it's filmed though it's like really nice to look at there's a lot of very creative editing especially for the time and the use of color is really nice but it it just wasn't like enjoyable like as a film (laughs) I was skimming the book that I was telling you about it's called West Side Story the Jets the Sharks and the making of a classic it's just about like how the film and the show because it was based off of a stage production and so I learned that Warren Beatty was considered for Riff (laughs) and I wanted to know what you thought about that no yeah what (laughs) (laughs) Um, that man cannot sing probably not and also because I love both versions of Riff oh god what's his name I can't forget what the name of the guy in the, the new version is because uh, he was like one of my supporting actor noms. Oh, Mike Face. That's it. I wanted him to be nominated. I can't believe he wasn't. It's was very bad. And then I also like Russ Tambling as Riff uh, also because it fills my like Twin Peaks heart because he's in it with <laughs> Richard Bamer. But he's also really good. He's really good. I never knew he could dance and sing like that. Like, or maybe just dance like that. Definitely very athletic. But yeah, like I just could not see Warren Beatty as that. No way. There was another actor who was considered, and I wanted you to guess who it was because it's one of your favorites. Oh, okay. So this is the early 60s. Has he been in a film with Natalie? No. I don't think he was known for being famous in the 60s. <laughs> Should I just tell you? Oh, God, I can't think. <laughs> tell me, yeah, who is it? Okay. It's Jack Nicholson. <gasps> what? Yeah. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> that's incredible. That's it. I'm like shocked. I can't speak. <laughs> wow. I think personality-wise, he would be a good riff if it yeah. wasn't a musical. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, he probably wow. can't sing. Can he? No. Okay. <laughs> Did you have any other general thoughts about the film or did you want to get into it? It did hurt me a little bit, I won't lie, when you said that you only remember like the Tony and Maria song. <laughs> I remember America. some other I don't really like that song. La 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 America. <laughs> <laughs> the best song. It's so much fun. And I watched it in the cinema. I wanted to clap after it. It's so good. <laughs> I remember that one, and I like the choreography for that scene. And I also remember yes. the one where Riff is, like, talking about doing drugs or something. Oh, I think that might be, is that, like, when he's, like, talking about his mom and his dad? Yeah, and I was, like, really shocked they could yes, put that yes. in there. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah and the play version is a lot the play version is a lot more explicit interesting it was like officer krupke right is that the song oh yes yeah yeah, okay Okay. that's the name yeah i don't know the full title but yeah it's officer krupke yeah yeah. (laughs) also love i love tonight as well but see those are songs that maria and tony aren't in so maybe that's why i like them i think natalie not singing does make it worse yes because it's it makes me resent the song because they dubbed her over with do you know what i mean it's like i can't like it and i'm pretty sure that if it was natalie we would like maria a lot more yeah should we talk about the race stuff yeah okay elephant in the room yeah (laughs) yeah it sucks (laughs) Yeah, it's. I know it's 1960, probably when they filmed this. So that was just common practice to cast white actors and then put them in brown face or yellow face or even black face. Yeah. So it's as a product of its time, I can understand that. But also, it's hard not to view it through a modern lens, I guess. Yeah, and you definitely, like, times change, like... I think we're allowed to be like upset at it. Yeah. Yeah. And they have Rita Marino. What? Why would they have an actual actress from that area and then cast white actors with her? It just doesn't make any sense. And then I think there was that whole thing she said about Rita Marino about how like they had to darken her skin because she looked white compared to the brown face of Natalie Wood and George. She got some insane. Yeah, that's pretty bad. And it looks um, bad as well. Also, I don't like it. Yeah. It makes me feel icky. I don't like it. Yeah. But it's tricky because that was normal for the time, but then are we supposed to still think it's okay nowadays? I don't know. Yeah, because it's like, where do you stand in it? I, I always feel like films like that should probably just have a disclaimer on the like beginning, like, this represents the times. Yeah. yeah, nowadays, no way. We can recognize that's what they did back then, and that's terrible, and they shouldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And I think just as it ties into Hollywood at the time, maybe sometimes they didn't think it was bad. Like, they thought they were being oh, yes. representative. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, that's not Definitely. the case anymore, but like, we know that now. Yeah. 
And maybe also in this film, like it also rubs me the wrong way because it's all about their struggles. They're singing about, oh, if I were white, then everything like would be easier and better and stuff. And then they are white. You are. Yeah, like, very good point. Yeah, it, I think it's just make it's even harder in that sense. No, I think it's very good what you just said. Why did they, Why cast-, did they cast her? Yeah, was there a reason? Because also it's weird because um, you would have thought maybe they'd have an unknown. Musicals like to do that in a way. Yeah. I think that's a good question because they didn't like her singing. They didn't like her dancing. They didn't like her accent. Yeah, it's just I feel bad that they put her through that because yeah. I think it was a pretty harsh time for her and like everyone in the cast was really mean to her um and she didn't get along with anybody really so I think they probably just should have gone for someone else yeah yeah I don't know that upsets me like yeah no I don't like it and I think that just knowing all that before I watched the movie colored the film for me as well yeah there was kind of no charisma between anyone and it's very interesting to hear that they didn't like her like that makes a lot of sense, as in with in regards to the film. There was nothing between her and Anita in the film that like made me think like, oh yeah, there's a their sister-in-law. Like I think some of that transpired to the camera. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I, I felt like there should have been more of a sisterhood between them, and it just was like really awkward. <laughs> in the Spielberg one, there is. Okay. Good. Yeah. Because that's really necessary, I think, because other than Tony, Anita's kind of the only one that Maria interacts with that much. And also, I think she didn't like working with Richard Bamer because she wanted Wagner to play the part of Tony. Are you old? (laughs) Um, What? (laughs) But then again, you can tell, like, they don't really have any chemistry and so no. their whole like 24 hour romance once again doesn't work. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> not at all. But then even no. Richard Bamer was completely miscast. Oh yeah, no. It's I... like a, a street pug. Yeah. <laughs> Who do you think would have been better? Well, I feel like Dennis Hopper, just because I'm thinking of him. <laughs> no, Are that's actually like a bad boy. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. I'm not sure if this is true or not, but there's a myth that kind of went around that Elvis was considered i don't i'm not sure how true that is but that would be so funny like it, would, it would i just can't imagine it because then it'd be an elvis film you know what I mean? yeah <laughs> so i think whether or not that has any truth behind it like i'm glad they didn't go with him <laughs> yeah no. but no i definitely think yeah dennis hopper would have been good i don't know if he could sing though no right just to do like outrageous dances anyway in that film that's true he kind of doesn't dance yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i was just thinking earlier about the scene where uh he it's like after he kills is it bernardo yeah massive spoilers oh yeah sorry (laughs) and yeah (laughs) He, like, Maria does not care that it's, he just killed yeah. her brother. And then they sleep together. <laughs> it makes me so angry. 
I hated that part. It's like in Rebel when her boyfriend dies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Should we move to Gypsy? Going from one musical to another? Yes. Gypsy in 1962. Another very long musical. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's kind of like a biopic on the burlesque dancer Gypsy Rose Lee. And so we follow her from when she was young with her little sister and they were like a double act and they have a very overbearing mother who like is like a pageant mum. Kind of follows her life and then she becomes a burlesque dancer and I guess that's it. Very odd. Yeah. I also just wanted to make clear that Gypsy is a slur, but we're using it in the term of it's her yes. name. So Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Thank you. Yeah, no, I hated this one as well. <laughs> At least we get Natalie singing, though. Completely agree. Yeah, Like, that little lamb song is the best part of the whole movie, I yeah. feel. Yeah, it's so and cute. Like, she's got a little lamb in her arm. Yeah, it's so cute. Yeah, this is a weird one, I think, because it's plotless for a film yeah. that's... I think it's also about two and a half hours. And Gypsy is honestly kind of a side character in yeah. the film about her own life. Which is really weird. Though I will say, I thought it was cool to see Natalie doing something. Like, she's not, like, full-on stripping, but she's definitely, like, stripping in a way. And so it's interesting to see her kind of, yeah, go outside the box and kind of push herself. And I was really proud of her for finding that confidence within herself. Yes. Yeah. Very different role from Natalie. Yeah. And I think the fact that it was very similar to her own life and like how her mother really was is, yes. it's pretty wild. Yeah, totally agree. <laughs> I think the problem with that though is that it should not have been told as like a musical. It should have been more drama-y, I feel like. Yeah, the song's it's dark. Yeah, <laughs> I think the song's kind of distracted from it. Yeah, that's typical of its time. That's the 60s. They made everything into a musical. Yeah. <laughs> I thought Natalie was good. She does a really good job. And even later with Inside Daisy Clover, I think she does a better job of yes. like showing the progression of her from a little kid to a teenager to an adult. And the scene where she's like in her dressing room and she's she goes yelling at her mom. I think it's near the end, like when she's really famous. Like I I really like that scene that stuck out to me. I wonder if it was cathartic or hard for her yeah. to do that. I feel like it must be hard because that's like going back to a life you didn't want, like you didn't like. I mean, she liked to act. I just wonder if she still would have done it if her mother hadn't made her. That's true. You said in the bio that she like loved to act anyway. So I like to hope that she would have still done it without her mother's insistence. Yeah. Maybe why she was so successful was because she did like to do it. She didn't have the choice. But I think compared to a lot of other child actors, at a point, I think she did get enjoyment out of it. Yeah. But yeah, I still felt a lot of pressure because she did have to support her family and please her mother. And Yeah. Yeah. Which is also very similar in Gypsy as well. Yes, yeah. Because 
is there like a reason why her sister, her little sister didn't, was she too young? I think she only did her the tricks she did when she was young. Okay. People just didn't care anymore. Because she like got too old because her yes. whole act was like being a baby or something. Yeah. Yeah. And stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But I actually can't remember what happens to her sister. I feel yeah. like they neglected her halfway through. Yeah. <laughs> Once again. <laughs> this film is just so bad. It's so <laughs> weird. Yeah. The pacing is awful and like you don't know what time period it is or like when the ages change and it's confusing. Yeah. I will say also do not watch this film if you have epilepsy because there's like this one scene where there's like all these flashing lights and it lasts for a really long time. Films never have an epilepsy warning and they really should. So next up we've got Love with the Proper Stranger, which came out in 1963. And it's about Angie, who's played by Natalie, and she gets pregnant by Steve McQueen's character, whose name is Rocky. Yes, Rocky, that's it. (laughs) Rocky Papazano. Oh my god, it's just such a movie name. (laughs) It's quite controversial for the time she tries to get an abortion and it's definitely a very character driven piece I'd say pretty ahead of its time I thought this was a really good one it's very different to her 60s films it's quite gritty and like an Italian neorealist film from the 60s like it's really good like it's shot in black and white and stuff and it's like you said it's very taboo subject I thought it was a really interesting career choice for Natalie in this time I did like it I put a sweet film quite understated there's no like big bedazzling tricks like it's just just a quiet little little drama and I really like Steve McQueen in it it's the first film of his I really like and yeah I just put this very ahead of its time so like yeah what did you think um I definitely liked it more the the second time around I wasn't really a fan the first time the first half is much better than the second half though Yes, I yes, kind of yes, wish yes. they kept up that more gritty feeling because I feel like in the second half it gets a bit sitcom esque. Yeah, which, like, there's a very weird yeah. that weird scene at the end. Yeah, it doesn't fit at all. No, but it just it feels really realistic, and <sighs> I might say it's my favorite Natalie performance. It's at least, like, really high up there. Yeah, yeah. Because she's so subtle. She just has this quality where it's, like, she puts it all out there on the screen. And I think it's most apparent in this film. (gasps) Wow. What you said Uh is perfect. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Her eyes are definitely highlighted in this film. She has amazing (laughs) eyes. And same with Steve, like two people with very beautiful eyes and like they convey so much in this film without speaking a lot of it is filmed in close-up not as many yeah. close-ups as another film we'll get into <laughs> <laughs> these are classy and tasteful like these are yeah close-ups. Like, and i think that also maybe harkens back to the silent golden age of hollywood like it's very yeah. classical in its make of how it's shot and stuff it's yeah gorgeous film the black and white does enhance it 
it's so crisp in in this one it's it looks not like a film like you're there you are transported into it it's very intimate as well in that way and I think it's my favorite Steve McQueen performance as well because it's something really different for him Wow. Um, yeah and you've seen a lot of his films yeah <laughs> I just I like seeing him be more natural and he's not like, trying to be really cool and tough and all that yeah. yeah and even like the relationship he has with the showgirl that they like share the apartment I can't remember with all the dogs name. yeah <laughs> I love her <laughs> but even that isn't as weird as it could have been no because I think he presented as being like a player but he's likable in a way yes. as well yeah and that's all McQueen yeah very charismatic in that sense yeah I need to look up her character's name because I really like her and I yeah. gotta <laughs> give her a shout out but yeah all the scene when Natalie falls asleep and like all the dogs oh, are like sleeping God. with her yeah so and they tongue at the bed of her yeah <laughs> uh her name is Barbie Oh my god, how could we forget that? Of course it is Barbie. What do you think of the characters being Italian-American? Because I know at least Natalie and Steve are not. So yes, the little, is that weird? I don't know. (laughs) They did use a lot of stereotypes for sure. It's represented a lot in Italian films and of Italian culture. It's like family is very strong and important. And we see that when they're outside with Natalie's family, first of all, very protective of her. And obviously we'd be a bit like, oh my God, let her live and stuff. But that's an Italian household. Like when she's, she's threatening to leave and she's pack, packing her bag. When they're in like the outdoor bit and they're trying to get money for the abortion. And I think it's so Steve's family are all there. And once again, there's a very strong sense of community. Aren't you like eating stuff? Yeah, they have like a whole meal in their yeah. bag. Yeah. <laughs> like as a picnic. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I really like that side of it. I think that really does show like a good familial values and things. I got that right. But yeah, like Natalie is Russian. And like, I could have done something with that. As her, do you know what I mean? As a family. I don't know. I don't know why I always, they always love to go to Italians. And Steve McQueen, definitely not Italian. No. <laughs> McQueen, that, that's like Irish. <laughs> At least they didn't try to do accents. Like- Very true. Yeah, yeah. What do you think maybe about like how it tackled abortions? I know that's giving you the heavy question. Yeah, no. Let's see. It's really brave that they showed it. I don't think they actually said abortion, but... I don't think they did, yeah. Yeah, but it's like we know what's going on. And it definitely shows how scary and difficult it was to even find someone to do the operation and how the person who like was going to do it for her probably wasn't even like a licensed doctor and they were like in an abandoned building and it's not sanitary at all so I think they did a good job in that sense but I think the scene it's like right after Steve he like bursts through the door and he like is like gonna save her I don't know I didn't really like how they handled that the fact that she didn't want to get married just because she was pregnant was really cool yeah and she was a very strong and independent character I could just wish they did more with it because after that scene they dropped it yes Yes. which was really weird because she's so pregnant I don't know she's not showing (laughs) not at all what did you think 
yeah I completely agree with what you said about how it's it handled it like somewhat well you gotta just remember it's from the 60s isn't it so it's still definitely like a taboo in a way um so it's amazing that two very famous Hollywood stars were in a film about it that's very good from its time but yeah I kind of wish I don't know I wish the abortion happened because the idea of her not getting one then makes it a bit anti-abortion you know what I mean and like, we're very pro it on here I wish it they went through with it but they don't but I, I, I totally get why and just the fact that they kind of after that it just got really light-hearted was so weird such a strange yes. eternal oh the ending's awful oh, I yeah hate the ending yeah I don't even, I genuinely cannot remember how that ties in with the film. Like, it doesn't. And I also just appreciate how it shows, like, how Natalie's character wants to be independent, but, like, her family and Rocky don't really want her to be. But she still really stands by that. Yes. And I'm just not used to seeing that, especially with a lot of other characters that Natalie played. But I will say the 60s was definitely, like, a turning point for her characters. I feel like they got more unique and individual and I just yeah. I like to see her be able to do that because yeah she was always submissive before and just knowing who she was as a person it's just weird to see her not being her own person yes no I totally get that I think <laughs> this is in her like filmography this is definitely like a turning point in her becoming into more like adult roles now yeah, definitely. I would say this is some of her best work for sure. And I think she thought it was her best film. Oh, she got Oscar nominated? Yes. For it? <laughs> Big. I can, shall I reveal to you who won it that year? Sure. Because I have no so idea. Out of all the other five, I had only seen Proper Stranger. Okay. But Patricia Neal won it for HUD. Wait, really? Yeah. Oh my, um, oh, that's yeah, tricky. Was, right. I love, love them her. both. Oh yeah. no. <laughs> You're an Oscar voter. You have to pick. Oh, oh my God. That's so hard though, because I love Patricia in that film. It was for leading actress, right? I'm pretty sure, yeah. Because okay. I felt like Patricia's character was more of a supporting character and Natalie was almost in the entire film yes yeah no I'm gonna go with Natalie though yeah one of them was Leslie is it Kara I'm not sure she was nominated for the L-shaped room which is also about abortion I haven't seen it yet I want to but yeah so I just think it's interesting that they too yeah Mm. and then we also had Shirley MacLaine or Irma LaDuce. <laughs> Not a real film. No. <laughs> and then Rachel Roberts, This Sporting Life. Okay. Which I've never heard of that. So. No. Ra- Sorry, Rachel Roberts. <laughs> congrats on the norm. But... Yeah. Never heard of you before. <laughs> yeah, I can't really comment because I've only seen two. So, yes. but I'm happy for Patricia, though, because she was really good. But and I guess since this was the last film she was nominated for we could talk about which one of the three nominations she got we think she should have won for and then if there was like a totally unrelated role that she should have 
won or been nominated for. I think she defo should have won for Splendor, if anything, out of the three. Sure, it should have been Splendor. She's so good in it. I love Mama (laughs) Dean. I just love everything about that character. I'm going for Splendor. Okay. What about you? (laughs) I got to go with Love with the Proper Stranger. Yeah. We are anti-rebel aren't we (laughs) (laughs) no I just think I like her in that I just think it was so pretty early on I splendor and proper stranger like she's really established herself as an actor yeah and then just out of all of her films so I've got one one? crazy one in my head I thought supporting actress the miracle on 34th street because I just (laughs) loved her in it I feel like sometimes nominate a little kid yeah I could see it because she's great also, I know the film flopped, but I do like the idea of Inside Days of Clover. That's probably yeah. her, I genuinely think her best acting is in that film. Yeah, she deserved that one. A lot of people on Letterboxd didn't like her in that. So, but I don't so agree. Bizarre to me. Yeah. yeah. It's so good. Yeah. But we'll talk more about that yes, later. No. Did you have a role you'd want nominated? I think it should have been Sex and the Single Girl. Yes. Which I guess we can talk about next. Yeah. Perfect segue. (laughs) Oh, I love this film. (laughs) I'm not ashamed. I gave this five stars. It is a masterpiece in my eyes. And it was a rewatch, wasn't it, for you? Yes. Yes. And you didn't like it first time, right? Oh, no. I still liked it. I just, I loved it the second time. Yay. (laughs) Oh, brilliant. I think you should explain it. Me? Okay. It's based on the writer Helen Gurley Brown, who wrote about sex and women and men and psychology and stuff like that. And so Natalie plays a version of her and she's like extremely popular and she's a therapist. Tony Curtis works for a magazine that's called Stop. And, um, he basically just wants to ruin Natalie's character. And he thinks the way to do that is to <laughs> pretend to be Henry Fonda's character and ask for advice because he thinks she's a virgin. And so therefore she's not qualified. Yeah to be like advising people about their sex lives and then he's gonna write an article and expose her but then they start to fall in love so things get a little interesting and then of course him pretending to be Henry Fonda's character creates some complications with Lauren Bacall's character who's married to Henry Fonda and I don't know it's just it's wacky it's insane it's like a farce in it yes yeah so your thoughts about the film loved it loved it loved it best film ever <laughs> i've actually got this down as i think this is natalie's most under appreciated performance oh. because it's brilliant and i think people forget about it it's so good for all that cast oh my god it's amazing, amazing. oh <laughs> <laughs> this is how much we love this film we're just yeah. completely on the same page i'm so glad oh my god but yeah see you've got Natalie Wood, Tony Curtis, Henry Fonda, Lauren Bacall. 
yeah well can't get any better no nothing will ever beat that <laughs> and, i know oh my god henry fonda's character of lauren before they're like couple girls he, he loves her so much <laughs> he looks, <laughs> and he's a tight salesman yes oh my it's god it's so funny to me i love frank um, and sylvia otp yes end game <laughs> everyone should aspire to be like them natalie's character got her phd at 23 <laughs> That's incredible. That's my age. I would know. I'm nowhere near a PhD. <laughs> she is, is an icon. She must have had to go to college. Sixteen or seventeen? Yeah, but then you have to get a master's as well. Oh yeah, and I don't know how long a doctorate is. She's for. a genius. <laughs> she is. And I just love that. And yeah, what's also great about that is that she's gorgeous and she wears stunning outfits. That like Thanks, um, Edith. Oh. <laughs> our queen she can be smart she can be sexy and i love it yeah the two can work she's brilliant and just love this film so much what about you oh my god yeah it's my favorite natalie film definitely one of my favorite performances because i think she's really good at comedy she and tony curtis play off each other super well yeah it gets really meta with the jack lemon comments oh, it's so funny. <laughs> get Tony Curtis in a bathrobe that's like really short and frilly <laughs> beautiful it's yeah as everyone probably already knows I love Henry Fonda and he is so good in this he's like frumpy and he and Lauren Bacall just so cute who put them two together the car chase like scene at the end oh my god invented it, cinema it did <laughs> Really, you've not seen it until you've seen it. Like, no. it's so flipping good. <laughs> and I love how everybody keeps like changing cars and like driving backwards and going the wrong way. And I love the scene where everybody like picks up the pretzels from the pretzel vendor and Henry Fonda <laughs> drives by and he's like, Where did you get those pretzels? And the way he says it is just so funny. And then they like hand him a pretzel and. <laughs> My cheeks are hurt. I know. It's so just, I love thinking about this film and probably just sounds like incoherent babble. But no, it's I, a must watch. Strangely, like a lot of people don't like it on Letterboxd. Yeah. They find it sexist. Yeah, which I think is funny because it's clearly a satire. Yes. So. I think yeah. that goes over a lot of people's heads most of the time. Yeah, I think I'm really shocked that we... confuses people, but it's yes. like, how could you not interpret this as a satire? But yeah, don't believe them, believe us. I don't like silly humor. I don't like stupid things. But like, it works. It's just so charming as well. And it's just funny. I and mean, they never overdo it as well. Mm-hmm. Like, they give you just enough. Yeah. Brilliant. Because compared to most slapstick comedies, because I don't really like slapsticks, they don't try to overdo it with like visuals or people just like yelling all their lines and stuff and I think they do find that good balance of there is a plot there is character development but it also is super funny yeah so I think that's why for me it it succeeds compared to like others from the genre and also I know you really like Tony Curtis and I normally don't but this movie does make me like him so (laughs) That is yeah. a yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, this is a perfect Tony Curtis film for me as well. I think it's probably yeah. one of my favorites. Nice. Still doesn't beat some like a hot, but I think it might be second. 
I, I feel like it. this is this would make a good double feature I feel yeah. yes yeah yeah I was also thinking that and um so sex and the single girl and what's up doc because of the yes. two chase scenes yes <laughs> that's perfect but I actually was gonna say like later on I think Natalie would have been good in that movie or at least something of that same vein yeah she just had that approach to comedy that just fits sex and the single girl so well yeah yeah really made it work I love seeing the the characters interact with one another because they're all so much fun and I just think everybody fits their part so well and these actors are so classic but yet they've never like really interacted with each other before yeah that's also um, so great to see it is yeah because I like Lauren Bacall and Henry Fonda like definitely were famous around the same time but I think this is the only movie they ever did yeah and once you see it you're like why didn't they do more because they're perfect (laughs) (laughs) and same with Natalie and Henry like I really wish I guess meteor but they don't actually interact in that film and I would have loved to have seen them in something else but now we're going to 1965 with The Great Race, directed by Blake Edwards. This film is quite insane. Yes. <laughs> Let's introduce the players. There's so many. We've got so Tony Curtis as the great Leslie. Mm-hmm. Um, he is like our protagonist and he's, he always wears white. He only wears mm-hmm. white. His teeth sparkle. His eyes sparkle. Literally. <laughs> Um, and he is a racer, like in a but not like your typical Elvis racing thing. Like this is different. <laughs> I love that you brought that up. <laughs> this is a good racing film, but there's no racing though. <laughs> there really isn't. I can forget that they are on a race, but yeah. <laughs> um, so then he's like the good guy, and then he's got a his nemesis in the racing world is played by Jack Lemon. So these two are reunited again. Jack Lemmon's playing Professor Fate. And another character, we'll get in later. And <laughs> Professor Fate is in a gay relationship with Peter Falk. <laughs> I That's love them. Shown, but <laughs> very gay, very gay. And Peter Falk, bless him, he's always like messing up. Jack Lemmon keeps hitting him. I know that's not funny, but it is <laughs> It looks like he's um, actually hitting him as well. They were like, they weren't acting. No. As an advertisement for this new like car in a way. They want to do they want to make a race from New York to Paris. And so there's loads of people competing and we but we the main players are Leslie and then Professor Fate and his boyfriend Mac. Um, and then we're also for the race introduced to Natalie's character who might be my favorite as well like one of my faves Maggie Dubois and she her intro is her chaining herself to the men's bathroom because they don't have any women working there and she's a suffragette and she, she wants a job and it's a feminist icon yes queen just brilliant and then so she wants to be a reporter and then so she gets in on the race to compete slash like report but then yeah a lot of stuff happens she loses her car she has to drive with great Leslie, loads of fight scenes, they go to a castle, and then there's a, a prince. He's very unruly, who's played by Jack Lemon, also very <laughs> camp as well. 
but and then they like try and stop them over it's so confusing <laughs> it's so good and like they all kind of become like they kind of become like a little group it's like a chosen family like, yeah that's but one yeah, way to put it, it. As is, remember though as all these hijinks happen there is a race going on <laughs> i don't think the characters remember that at all no i think that's kind of the vibe yeah now, we have different views on it mm-hmm. Audrey, do you want to explain <laughs> your one sure. so yeah i don't like this one there's things about it i do like adore the costumes in it every single outfit natalie wears in this like it gets better yeah every costume change which i just love like that she just has 40 outfits for going <laughs> on the road <laughs> so iconic even though jack lemon kind of annoyed me i love like the stuff with him and peter falk yeah. um, tony curtis just doesn't really do that much no totally His agree character is very bland and also <laughs> Leslie was maybe going to be played by Paul Newman. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, Tony. For you, I'm on your side. I'm like, yeah, okay. you deserve I to mean, I know you're a Tony stan, but I'm a Paul stan. <laughs> exactly. So I totally respect it. I think he was very good. I think he yeah. Was. Um, and then Natalie's good. I just don't think they did a lot with her character. I really like the way she started off and then they made her quite generic after a while. Yeah. Yeah, for a movie called The Great Race, there's maybe 15 minutes of racing. <laughs> so weird, yeah. So <laughs> disappointing. Yeah, so you don't really feel that tension or like a sense of competition. And after a while it just drags on and yeah, characters yeah, it goes on. I get on my nerves. Yeah. I just think they tried to do too much. Like they went more for visuals and sets and stuff than like plot. Also, just knowing like how hard of a time it was for Natalie to film this, I think that kind of impacted my viewing of it. But she does like an amazing job. What about you? Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I really did. But what you've said also, I, yeah. Could have said it better like 100 yeah i think it was a bit silly at times especially jack lemon oh my god he did definitely go over the top but i think maybe <laughs> because i like him that it worked for me i just felt like he can do that like he's good at that yeah tony curtis was like so bland yeah. for someone who loves him yeah no this is not his film at all for such a good film as well it was just he was not very good in it like at all i think he let his ego definitely be like the good guy he's too egotistical to be the good protagonist he needs to have some moral grain in but yeah we talk about natalie oh my god she's brilliant and she really really is i think she's so funny i think i just love her character because she's like such a feminist obviously for 1965 like it's not groundbreaking stuff it's just just, like nice to see um I also just love Jack Lemon and Peter Falk. They brilliant duo. It's so funny. <laughs> but yeah, we we deserve more Peter Falk and Natalie scenes. We oh, get yeah. I think we got one where they like directly interacted with each other. That sucks. And it was so short. It was, it was in, like, the, in like a weird castle dungeon. And I think he leaves her in there as well. Yes. He was he hits her on the head with a pipe and then he locks her. So it's not even a cute scene. And I was so upset. (laughs) 
obviously with this film as well it's got the classic infamous pie scene but like I didn't really like care for it because that's when it verges on silly to me mm-hmm. and then obviously as well hearing about the behind the scenes stuff definitely makes it a difficult thing to rewatch now because yeah. yeah Natalie was covered in it it's interesting that that is a scene that tends to stick out to people I think yeah but for me it was probably one of the worst scenes because I don't know there's just something weird about it I don't know it felt like it was made specifically to target Natalie like IRL yeah and that's not fun to watch no and it's just so much chaos for me isn't funny at a certain (laughs) point Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think everybody who was working on the film was so mean to her during this period? I read that it was like it was over budget and over time it went way over shooting wise. So that probably doesn't help people's morale on set. And I bet I know that this was Tony Curtis and Natalie Wood, so it was their third film together. But I guess maybe Tony and Jack are close they're not gonna hate out on each other and I presume as well Peter Falk they probably took him in so I guess Natalie was like an easy target yeah which is really horrible yeah it's just so weird that um Tony and Natalie went from being friends to it sounds like kind of enemies and I'm yeah I couldn't figure out exactly what led to that yeah and it's just kind of sad it is because they're brilliant together yeah, like in Sex and the Single Girl, like their chemistry is unmatched. And then here yeah. it's just like a bit forced. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not right. She and Peter Falk did another movie together. Yes. I don't think he was really like involved in a, no. a lot of the stuff with the other cast. So I'd like to think he wasn't like taking part in yes. hurting her feelings. But yeah, I could see like Jack and Tony kind of I teaming up. see it. Yeah. teasing her and I think she took that stuff personally which makes a lot of sense but yeah you would yeah you yeah. don't want people doing that to you yeah but she did learn how to fence yes which is really cool <laughs> fencing queen oh my yes. god but she doesn't fence in the film she does like when she when and Tony are like... in the tent in the desert oh in the tent yes sorry. Yeah. I'm thinking of the one with Tony later on yeah. oh yeah that one <laughs> What did you think of the fencing scene? Do you I love think... that. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I love that like she trained for it as well. I think it shows a real like dedication to her craft. Yeah. To learn. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoyed it. I'm like, glad they showed it as well. Yeah. I can say that as if I forgot, but I remember now. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, you got the second one between Tony and uh, who was it? I think it must have been one of the guards. Yeah, I think so. Like um, the king's right hand man or something, the princess. Yeah. And then, of course, you got shirtless Tony Curtis. So I'm sure that kind of helped for you. Definitely, yeah, that was a very good fun. That's why I remembered it. Yeah. There's just, there are little bits in the film that I really enjoyed. Um, yes. And like the fight scene in the saloon, even though it's like oh too long, God. it's fun. It was so good. Yeah. yeah. The, the, the stunts as well were brilliant. Yeah. People were being like thrown into tables, into the bar. Like, yeah. Wild. Oh, the punching sound effects. Oh my gosh. They're so bad. <laughs> the only thing that was like offensive though was before they go into this Western town, all the men in the town like 
pretend to be indigenous people and they're doing that stereotypical whooping and those drum if you've seen any old westerns yeah is that the song sort of that always plays and there's literally no purpose no to it no. it's really weird i was thinking as you were saying that i was thinking like is it satire but it's not because it's more done as a joke on them on the native americans than the people doing it so it, yeah. yeah it falls definitely a bit flat and that's a problem with the great race is that there's definitely a lot of that's a bit questionable you shouldn't be in it yeah and then they're just like well okay <laughs> next <laughs> thing <laughs> yeah the, the whiplash of just going from each scene yeah there's no connection no. and i think that's because it was based on like these cartoons from the 30s i think which it makes sense for like a 10 minute cartoon but extending that out you're not really it's not going to have that continuity yeah. maybe it didn't go so well on screen yeah we decided to split our natalie episode into two parts as it is almost four hours long and so the second part will be coming out tomorrow where we'll be going into the rest of her 60s films as well as her work in the 70s and 80s and her death and her impact on film and just us as fans and of course going into our fan casting and some other fun segments. Thank you all so much for listening. We appreciate all of you so much and we hope you have a great day. This episode was co-hosted and edited by me, Audrey Cornell, and co-hosted by Louise Coleman. The music was written by Nia D'Amelio. Gone But Not Forgotten is a part of the Trident Network. To learn more about our videos, live shows, and podcasts, visit us at thetridentnetwork.com.